Come on, if you love the Lord tonight, let's just worship Him. Come on, put your hands together. Let's honor Him. Oh, come on, if you really love Him, let's praise Him. Oh, we love you, we love you, we love you. I want to read a scripture, and we're going to pray. January 21st is upon us. That is the Sunday of our grand opening. And um, if you're new here, welcome. And we're moving to Sundays, January 21st. I wanted to show you this scripture. This is Psalm 105, verse 11. Do we have that on the screen that we could show? It says this, I will give you the land of Canaan as your special possession. I just want you to know that God cares about land. He cares about real estate. He cares about property. And how many know God has the right building at the right place, the right location? Come on, somebody, for us. January 21st. That is... 61 days away and we don't know where it is but God knows exactly where it is and he said I have a land for you I have a place for you I want us to just pray for our grand opening really quick if you would and um, we're a praying church and so we're going to pray together if you're new here tonight you can just kind of join along or watch us pray but let's pray for just one moment for our grand opening and the Bible says uh, when we pray we lift up holy hands without doubt without wrath. So why don't we just lift our hands, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have a place for us. You have a land for us. You have a building for us. You have a place. Lord, you said, build me a habitation, saith the Lord, where I may dwell. And Lord, we just thank you that you do have a habitation, Lord, on the earth, in this city, in this region for us, for City Light Church. We just thank you, Lord, that you're revealing it to us. You're giving us the right place with the right people at the right time for the right budget. Lord, we just thank you for favor. We thank you for open doors. We thank you, Lord, that every door would be open. Every mountain would bow down. Every valley would rise up. Every crooked path would be made straight. And Lord, you would reveal that place to us. We just thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do on January 21st. That it will be exceedingly. It will be abundantly. And it will be above anything we could ask or think. You're going to blow our minds on that day. And we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Say amen. Amen, 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 amen. Woo! All right, before you're seated, say hello to somebody around you. And then uh, you can grab a seat. It is Thanksgiving week, and I thought it was appropriate to talk about giving today. Uh, We're not going to receive some kind of high-pressure offering at the end of service, nothing like that. I'm praying tonight that I build your faith as it pertains to finances, and even more than that, to living a life of generosity. Um, And if there's anything in you that feels like, man, I did not come on a Monday to hear this. Just relax. We're going to talk for the scriptures. I'm going to try to make you laugh as much as I can, okay? I'm going to give you a few principles from this scripture, and we're going to, we're going to go home, and we're going to go to Raising Cane's and eat some chicken, okay, or wherever we're going to go. So, so don't, be, don't be scared, all right? Don't be scared tonight. And, um, but, and, but we are a church that's going to talk about giving because I believe in the power of it. Uh, if, I, if I felt like, Giving wasn't a good thing. We'd never talk about it, but I, I really do think it'll change your life. John chapter 12, verse 1, six days before the Passover celebration. This is six days before the cross, okay? Six days before the cross. Six days before the cross. Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Now, what was the dinner for? The dinner was to honor Jesus for raising Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus had just been raised from the dead, and he goes, we got to throw a party to celebrate Jesus for raising me from the dead. Seems pretty appropriate, right? Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. 
Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. Uh, He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole money from himself. By the way, if you grew up in a religious tradition that said Jesus was poor, Jesus had so much money that no one noticed that this guy was stealing money. Let me just say that, okay? So if, if you're broke, how many know you know every penny? Hello, somebody. I am missing a dime. I don't know where. (laughs) Judas, for three and a half years, is skimming money from Jesus Ministries International, and no one notices it. That's pretty amazing. So, So Jesus was not poor. His disciples were not poor. Peter had a home that could house, um, you know, they, they say now probably up to 100 people. And you can actually go to the Holy Land and see Peter's home uh, where Jesus would hold church services. So anyway, and if you want to be poor, that's fine. But I'm just saying, you know, so he didn't care for the poor, uh, but he was in charge of the disciples. Money often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, man, this is the promise for every giver. Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I want to talk for just a few moments uh, tonight from the subject, why she gave, why she gave. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak now so clearly that, um, Lord, any any hesitancy about about this message, I just pray, Holy Spirit, anoint it and and cover it with your grace. Lord, if there's any, anything in this, Lord, that the enemy would try to get a foothold in and resist, Lord, I just pray that by your grace, you would just speak to our hearts so clearly tonight. Thank you for the power of generosity, and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Um, when I talk about generosity, I want to I give you three, three words that I want you to write down to always think about time, talent, treasure. Time, talent, treasure. It's, it's never one of the three, but it's eventually, I would say, hopefully one day, all three. That you could get to a point in your faith where you have the ability to give God time through serving His church. You're able to use your gifts, talents, and abilities to serve the church, talent. And you're able to now have more than enough to help people with your treasure. That, to me, is the definition of prosperity, by the way. Prosperity is not a Mercedes. Prosperity is not a gated community. Uh, prosperity is, is not that. Prosperity is having enough to fulfill your assignment in the earth and more than enough to be a blessing to others. That's prosperity. Prosperity is having enough to fulfill your assignment on the earth because you do have an assignment. And then more than enough to be a blessing to others. Why she gave. I don't know if you, if you noticed, but Jesus was in a moment where they were together to honor him, but nobody was honoring him. I just want you to catch this. Uh, they completely missed the point of the moment. Uh, have y'all ever like tried to tell a joke that you just thought was hilarious and you go to tell it and they just totally miss it? Y'all know what I'm saying? And you're like, I'm funny. You're not funny. I'm funny. <laughs> Have you ever went to post a picture on Instagram and you're like, this thing is fire. 
I'm about to get a thousand likes and you post it. And within three minutes, you're like, delete. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and you're right, but no one else is smart enough to understand how awesome your picture was. (laughs) You give your child just this awesome lesson on life and leadership and wisdom. And they just look at you like you're an idiot, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, they just totally don't get it. Uh, We have, we have a dinner in honor of Jesus, but nobody's honoring Jesus. We have a dinner to celebrate the life of Jesus, but nobody is celebrating the life of Jesus. They're, they're all there. And I think this is going to happen in church. We, we come to church, but we don't celebrate the life of Jesus. We don't celebrate what he's done in our life. It is so easy to gather around Jesus, but miss the moment and miss the point of what you're in. These, these men and women, they're in a point where they are at a dinner to celebrate Jesus, to honor Jesus, and to thank Jesus for resurrecting Lazarus from the dead, but nobody's doing it. And I think so many times we can live our life that way. No one saw the importance or the power of honoring Jesus with a gift. No one saw the power or the importance of honoring Jesus with a gift. But one person broke through the crowd. One person broke protocol and and passed the opinion of man. One person broke cultural norms. And she gave extravagantly. She gave generously. And I want you to catch this. She gave what she did have to honor Jesus. She gave what she did have to honor Jesus. Now, the reason I said why she gave, because I want to understand it. In America right now, the average Christian gives 2% of their income. To charitable causes. That doesn't even just mean church. It just means 2% to charitable, charitable income in general. And it could go to church or not. What separates those people who give about 2% and those people who are able to break out in radical generosity? I would submit to you, it's not because they have more money. Amen. See, because if you if you cannot tithe off a thousand dollars, it is going to be really hard to tithe off a hundred thousand, because those zeros start adding up, and the devil starts telling you what you could do with that money. You need a bigger TV. You you seventy two inch. Come on, that's tiny. You need you need a better pool table. You you need better wheels on that car. What are you doing? So if if you cannot be faithful with the little. So I, I don't think generosity has to do with how much you make or how, how wealthy you are. It, and, and I thank God that I, I learned to tithe off 200 bucks a week <laughs> because I got in the rhythm of it before. Now I make a little bit more than 200 bucks a week. And I'm, and I'm grateful that I learned it there because it would be very hard to start at this level and start giving. But, but what separates? What separates the person who gives, you know, average Christian, 2% of their annual income away. And the person who's able to not just tithe, but they just break into a life of radical generosity. They just break into a life of, and and I want to say this about generosity. Generosity is just living with your hand open. It's just saying, God, it's all yours. You gave it to me. I'm not self-made. I'm God-made. You gave me the job. You gave me the talent. You gave me the ability. This is yours. And now I live with an open hand. However much of this you want, you can have. That's all generosity is. And I I see some reasons that she gave in the text. I'm going to give you three. And we're going to be out of here. The first reason she gave. She gave because of what Jesus had 
done. She gave because of what Jesus had done. See, you cannot appreciate John 12 without John 11. John 12 is the dinner, but John 11 is the famous Lazarus come forth. They are now celebrating the resurrection of Lazarus with a dinner. The dinner was happening to honor Jesus for raising Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus was dead for four days. The Bible says he was four days dead. And scholars tell us that in the Jewish tradition, if you were dead, your soul would literally hover above your body for the first three days. But on the fourth day, your soul would depart the earth and go to eternity. So Jesus specifically raised Lazarus on the fourth day so that it was a completely hopeless situation. He waited until day four because if he would have raised them on day one, two, or three, people would have said, oh yeah, well his soul was still hanging around. Now, by, by the way, there's no biblical you know, uh, scripture for that. It's just what they believed. But he specifically waited four days so that he could show people that he had power over life and death. That he could show people that he is the resurrection. That the resurrection is not just a day that is coming one day, but he's the resurrection and the life right now. Can I get an amen from somebody? And, and I, think, I think here's the thing. For Mary, she was honoring, Lazarus, or honoring Jesus for raising Lazarus. But why do we give? We give because Jesus raised us. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. We were dead in our sins. We was dead before Jesus. We weren't a good person that became a better person. We were dead. We were absolutely dead. Before Christ, you just got to understand this about the gospel. The gospel is not a crutch for the weak. It is a stretcher for the dead. We are dead without Jesus. We are spiritually dead, spiritually blind, spiritually deaf, spiritually mute. We didn't find Jesus. He found us and he raised us from the dead. And as much as Lazarus had nothing to take credit for the day that Jesus raised him from the dead, we have nothing to take credit for the day that Jesus Christ turned our heart, changed our life, forgave us of our sin and turned us around. Can I get an amen, everybody? Come on. We were dead. And because of that, I'm now so grateful that he raised me. Friend, where would we be without the grace of God? Who would we be without the grace of God? Whose would we be without the grace? Who would we be if, unless Jesus said, Jabin, come forth. Henry, come forth. Jay, come forth. Daniel, come forth. There was a day that the Holy Spirit turned your heart. And gave you an opportunity with what the Bible calls a measure of faith. That you could respond and repent and turn. And we cannot take credit for it. That's why Ephesians says it is by grace through faith. This is a gift from God. Not that any of us could ever boast. I was dead. But on June 10th, 1998, Jesus raised me from the dead. And I don't deserve it. And I could not earn it. And there's nothing I could do to ever pay him back. But now I live a life of gratitude. Because I was Lazarus. You were Lazarus. We are Lazarus. But I'm so grateful for the resurrection and the life. Come on, his name is Jesus. And now we give... We give not because we're afraid. We, we, don't, we don't give because, oh man, if you don't give, God's going to curse you. No, we don't believe in any of that weird stuff. We don't believe in that. We're, I'm his son. You're his daughter. You're his son. You're his child. God's not going to get you if you don't tithe. 
oh man, I didn't pay my tithe this week, and then I, you know, my tire blew out. No, stop it. That's all religious tradition. I give because I'm grateful. I, and I mean, what a, what a sick way to think that God's a, you know, shoots out your tire. How weird are we that this is how we were raised? If you don't tithe, you're going to be cursed. What are we talking about? Jesus bore the curse on the cross. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. Christ was cursed for us that we might receive the blessing of Abraham. There is no curse for the people of God. So I don't give to be set free from a curse. I don't, I don't give because I live in fear. I give because of what Jesus has. Jesus gave and now I give. Jesus resurrected and now I give. Jesus changed my life and now I'm so grateful. That night, they were at dinner and there was just a whole bunch of religious people acting like they should have been there. Acting like they belong there. Acting like it wasn't just because of the grace of God they were there, but there she was and she was just staring at her brother as oxygen was going in and out of his body. As he was talking and laughing and eating. And she goes, I've got to honor Jesus because he should be in the grave. But he's alive because of Jesus. And I want to honor Jesus. Jesus, because Jesus raised my brother. And in the same way that Jesus raised Lazarus, he's raised us. And now we can respond like Mary with an absolutely grateful heart that says, I am nothing without his word of resurrection. Hallelujah. So I give because Psalm 24 said, if it, Psalm 124, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, where would we be? (laughs) This is why I give. I don't give out of fear. I don't give out of pressure. I don't give because it's just a good thing to do or a moral thing to do. I give because I'm grateful. I give because Jesus changed my life. Number two. Number two. She gave because of what Jesus had done. And she's now giving because of what Jesus is doing. She's giving because of what Jesus is doing. So you got to realize why she had the perfume in the first place. In Jewish tradition, they would anoint the dead body of a family member for days until they eventually ran out. Do you remember when Jesus was raised from the dead? And remember Mary and Martha go to, to see Jesus at the tomb and they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And they were going there to anoint his body because that was tradition. So they were giving the body as much dignity as possible. So day after day after day after day, they would anoint the body until they ran out of perfume. And that was their final way to honor the dead. The reason this woman had the perfume is because she would have purchased it in order to honor Lazarus. So she has this perfume... And on day one, she anoints Lazarus. And on day two, she anoints Lazarus. And on day three, she anoints Lazarus. And on day four, she goes to anoint Lazarus. But Jesus messes up. Because he always jacks up funerals. And he always brings a great party to weddings. Amen. We learned that last week. (laughs) So now she's holding this perfume. And she's going, this should have been on Lazarus, but... Jesus messed up the funeral. So she gave Jesus what she did have and what she didn't deserve to have. Oh, man. So I want you to notice this. 
the bottle would not have been completely full because she would have already used a portion of it. But now she uses what she has left. She uses what she shouldn't have because it should all be on the dead body of Lazarus. So she uses what she does have and pours it on the body of Jesus. I don't deserve to have what I have. So how dare I keep it to myself? I was born in Belen, New Mexico in a trailer, in a trailer park. I shouldn't be I shouldn't be able to give to those kids at that school. How can I keep this to myself when that when that should have been me? That was me. That was us. Am I making sense, friends? I'm sorry. I'm, I told myself I wasn't going to get passionate because I'm talking about giving, so I was trying to keep cool. But, but, but she, had, she, she has this portion left. See, my pastor, Jensen Franklin, says this. Don't live your whole life focused on what you lost. Thank God for what you have left. Oh. And if you'll use what you got left to honor Jesus, Jesus can do something with it. And it may not be enough, but it's enough for Jesus. Do you remember when the boy with a couple of pieces of bread, a couple of pieces of fish, Mark 6, he's able to feed about 20,000 people. It wasn't enough in his hands, but it was enough in Jesus' hands. And that little bit of oil she had left wasn't enough for her, but it was enough for Jesus. And when you give what you do have to God... He can bless it and make it enough. Like think about, just think about the tithe for a moment. That's not enough for you to live. But in the hands of Jesus, he can then multiply that, resurrect that, anoint that, and bring increase into your life. This fish ain't enough to feed all. This tithe isn't enough to fulfill my destiny. But if I'll give it to the master... And if he'll bless it and he'll break it, he'll turn what isn't enough into more than enough. There's an amazing passage of scripture. This is 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 12. This is, this is just hilarious. It says, Mephibosheth had a son named Micah. Now, that doesn't maybe amaze you, but it amazes me because the Bible says that when Mephibosheth was a kid, he was dropped and somehow... His back was broken or his legs were broken in such a way that he could not walk any longer. He was lame. <laughs> okay, PG-13. So, his legs didn't work. But something worked. Because he had a son. I'm not, I'm not being dirty. He couldn't use his legs, but... Not everything was broken. He used what he had left to multiply. Y'all are dirty, but this is, this is great preaching right now. This is Vegas. Y'all aren't that sanctified, are you? You may not have everything you wanted, but you can use what you got left. You may not be where you thought you were going to be at this point, but you can use what you got left. You may not be where you want to be or where you should be, but thank God you're not where you deserve to be. Thank God you're not where you used to be. Thank God for grace. I, I'm just trying to be real with y'all. He, he was able to use what he had. He was broken, but he could still multiply. 
And maybe what you've been through is crippling. And maybe what you've been through is painful. And maybe you're, you're looking at, at, at 2018 and you're going, man, I've got more scars than I thought I was going to have. And I've got more pain than I thought I was going to have. And I've had to deal with some storms I didn't expect to deal with. But friend, if you're here, you can still multiply. God can still do something with your life. God can still increase you. And the Bible says that she gave this radical gift. And there's Judas. Verse 5. It should have been given to the poor. Notice this. As soon as she gives, voices rise up to stop the gift. The devil in the flesh will never celebrate faith. The devil in the flesh will never celebrate faith. Well, the church, this guy just wants my money. Okay, unless you have $280,000 to pay for our budget, I don't want your money. Because it's not enough. Now, if you do, then maybe I do want your money. <laughs> you know, they just want our money. No, the movie theater wants your money. Car dealerships want your money. Hello. <laughs> Restaurants want your money. Whole Foods wants your money. Let me charge you a million dollars for a turkey. Thank you, Whole Foods. Okay. <laughs> like, Amazon wants your money. Credit cards want your money. I don't want your money. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. God is not broke. God is not going, man, we need a big offering tonight, Jabin, because these streets of gold are getting rusty. And I'm, oh, man, I just need everyone. If we could. Just... He's on a totally different. He's on a totally different income, friend. He's on a totally different system. Don't 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 entertain those voices because the, there will always be a voice that will try to talk you out of a generous life. And by the way, it's not just money. It's, you're always serving over at that church. Why are you always there? Is that a cult? What are they doing over there? Am I right about it? You're just volunteering? You're just, are they just using you? Come on. It, there's always going to be a voice that's going to talk you out of your time, talent, and treasure to the kingdom. But Jesus silences those voices and he says, verse 7, leave her Alone. Because Jesus always has and always will speak up for the generous soul. When I give, my gift speaks to God. And when I give, God speaks for me. When I give, my gift speaks to God. And when I give, God speaks for me. And then he says this. I think this is so huge. He goes, he goes she's anointing me for burial. Now, here's what you need to know. Everyone in that room was still in denial that Jesus was actually going to go to the cross. Y'all know that, right? Read your Bible. It's all over the place. G- uh, Peter's rebuking Jesus for saying that. They're all in denial. They're all scared. They're all freaking out. And none of them actually believe that he's really going to go to the cross. They're all still under the impression that Jesus is going to set up a natural kingdom and overthrow Rome. She didn't understand. I want you to hear this. She didn't understand the significance of her gift. Friend, we'll never understand the significance of our gifts. You'll never know. When, when you take that money from the natural system and you put it into the supernatural system of the kingdom of God, you never know. We don't, we don't know who's going to get saved on December 18th at our Christmas program. 
We don't know who's going to be born again in 2018 through our services when we start. We don't, we don't know. We don't know the effect of our gift that we sent to Pakistan. We don't know the effects of our gifts that we've sent to the California fires and to the, to the flood victims in Houston and Florida. We don't know the power of it, but one day we will step into eternity. Jesus goes, guys, you don't even understand. This is such a significant seed. And I would submit to you every seed sown in faith is significant to God. And every seed we sow makes an eternal impact. I'll never forget being 22. My wife was 20. We were getting married. And we had no money. We were, we were, I mean, we were broke as a joke, y'all. We were just broke. And uh, we, we, we say often that, or I say often, we were so broke that we would go to KFC to lick other people's fingers. You know, like we were just... <laughs> broke and so we had we had three thousand dollars to our name and that money was from graduation parties from when we were in high school and we had that money that was gonna i mean literally we didn't have money for when we got married we didn't have couches bed tv we didn't have anything and so we were just broke and we had three thousand dollars to our name and the holy spirit spoke to us to give that to the church that we were working at at the time. And I'll tell you, it's the most painful thing we've ever... And by the way, I'm not asking you to give your savings. I'm saying we knew the Lord was leading us to do it. And it was the most painful thing we've ever done. It was the scariest thing we've ever done. It was the smartest thing we had ever done. And we sowed that. And it freaked us out. And you know what? We didn't wake up the next morning and someone bought us a house. We didn't wake up the next morning and you know there was a car out in front. It, it wasn't like that. But I'll tell you what happened that night that we sowed generously like this woman did. It broke the spirit of fear off of us for money. I've never been afraid of, of lack ever again. I've always believed for provision and I've always believed for more than enough. I, I have not one fear about this church. I have not one fear for our lives. God broke something in us when we gave. And I believe it was way more significant to our life than we'll ever really know. You know, we sold a home a few years ago and we, we just, we bought at the right time, sold at the right time, ended up making an incredible profit. And I'll tell you the same way, I remember our real estate agent calling and saying, all right, check your account, it's there. And I'll never forget opening my bank account and there was that huge profit. And I remember I closed it and I began to thank God, began to honor God. And then I, I held my phone up, I was in a, in a car by myself, and I held my phone up and I said, Lord, I know and you know that all of that's yours. So you just say when. And you can have it back. And I'm so grateful to say he still hasn't asked for it. Ah, ah, but he knows he can have it. Thank you, Jesus. Because, you know, because generosity is just saying, God, it's whenever, whenever. You know, we're going to sow the, the most significant seed we've ever sown into the in our lives into the kingdom um, tomorrow when we bring this offering to the bank. Uh, it's, it's, it's just so cool that we can even do it because it's like, oh my gosh, who would have ever thought that these two kids from Berlin <laughs> were able to give this kind of money to the kingdom of God. And we're going to sow from our personal life. We're going to sow from our ministry. We're so blessed to do it. And you know what? I don't know where that money's going to go in the spirit. 
And you know what? I'm not giving it tomorrow, waking up the next morning going, I, I need a hundredfold or it's not God. No. We're sowing it into souls. We're sowing it into this city. And it's my joy and it's my honor. And I, I'm just telling you, a life of generosity is a life of adventure. It's a life of joy. It's a life of saying, money, you don't, this world system doesn't have power over me. I'm an authority. Number three, the very last thing. Arya, could you, could you come up? By the way, congratulations. Frank and Arya got married this past week. Can we put our hands together for them? Love you guys. They walked in. I said, you're glowing. They said, hi, everyone's telling us that. I said, it's true. Hand of God is really on this couple. You watch what the Lord's going to do in them. There's just so much in their future. And I'm just, I'm blessed to know them. She gave because of what Jesus had done. She gave because of what Jesus was doing. Lastly, she gave because of what Jesus was going to do. The Bible said she did this in preparation for my burial. Friend, we just don't know the significance of our seed. Let me show you this. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. In addition, we might even say that these Levites, the one who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. Okay, whoa. You know that God did not require a tithe from the Levites. Because 500 years earlier, their great-grandfather Abraham paid a tithe to Melchizedek. And God said, I'm going to bless future generations because of your generosity. Oh, man. For although Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected the tithe from him. By the way, Melchizedek is a type of Christ. You can read Hebrews 7 later. Friend, when I tithe, it sets up generational blessing for my future. Oh. I'm absolutely here today. Because in that old country church, in Las Lunas, New Mexico, my mom would write that tithe check and she would hand it to me. And as the buckets would pass, I'd throw it in. I'm here today because of what Abraham did. And one day your, parents, your kids are going to be able to say, I'm here because of what mama and daddy did. This is why Psalm 37 verse 25 says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. God goes, even if you're all jacked up, as long as you've got a godly something somewhere in the generational line, I will take care of you and I will cover you and I will bless you. Jesus said, y'all don't even understand how significant this seed is because it's, it's preparation for the future. It's setting up future blessing. And you might be in a John 12 right now, but a John 19 is coming. And I'm telling you, resurrection is coming and power's coming and provision is coming and salvation is coming. I'm not just tithing for me. I don't just give for me. I'm giving to set up generational blessing for Goldie. And I'm further along than my dad because he was the first Christian in his family. And now we're way further along. And then one day Goldie's going to be way further along. 
because that's what giving does. So I give because I'm grateful for what He did do. I'm, I give because I'm so grateful for what He is doing. And I, and I give because I'm so grateful for what, for what He's going to do. And when, I, and when I sow seed, the seed you sow doesn't leave your life. It just goes into your future. Imagine a farmer staring at seed in his hand going, I just can't let it go. I just can't let it go. But it's not until he lets it go and puts it in the earth that it can produce a harvest. I'm not asking you to tithe to our church. I'm not asking you. I'm not even asking you to give tonight. You don't want to. I'm just saying the world of the generous, it just gets bigger and bigger. And when you sow, your God starts thinking about future generations that aren't even here yet. So if Hebrews 7 is is true, then that means that God's not just thinking about Goldie. He's thinking about Goldie's kids. Amazing. Amazing. When we give, we have the opportunity to take money out of the world system is an antichrist system. We get to take it out of that system and put it into God's system of increase. I just ask you to pray. I want to live a generous life. Time, talent, treasure. Not because I feel pressured. Not because I'm afraid and not because I think God's going to curse me or the devil's going to get me. I give because I was dead. And he raised me. I was Lazarus. And he called me. And he has a future for me. And he has a future for you. In Jesus' name. Do you receive that tonight? Can you say amen, everybody?